You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. This is your host, Shang Peng, and your special summertime guest host, host of not the, but a premier San Jose Sharks podcast, a good friend who's grown said podcast to arguably, arguably the biggest San Jose Sharks podcast around, the Al Simmons to my Daryl Sutter, and now the busiest man in San Jose, this side of Brent Burns, J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks. I take exception to <laughs> everything that was said there. Originally, I said that you're my RC Cola, my Coca-Cola, which I think oh, is that's brutal. I hope I did Kyle proud there. So shout yes. out to Kyle there. Yes. Well, at least I'm not even the the main. I'm not even the main character on my own podcast. So you know, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yes, I'm here. If you guys don't know me, I am uh, J.D. Young, one half of the content boys on the Locked on Sharks podcast. I will still be doing the Locked on Sharks podcast. Now, I'm double dipping, as they say, playing both sides of the podcast fence. <laughs> so, Learning everything about the San Jose Sharks, uh, San Jose Hockey Now podcast empire. So. <laughs> yes, building my own teal empire here. Uh, watch out, Teal Town. You are next. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I'm gonna be uh, hosting uh, duties with Shang. If you don't know, I've I've uh, been locked on sharks. Uh, before that, I was a contributor for Fear the Fin for a while. That's where uh, Shang and I actually met, and for some reason, he put up with my shenanigans. And uh, here we why. are. Here we are now, Shang. Doing here we are. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? So um, today's <laughs> yeah, not the yeah, I was the bottom of the barrel here. But uh, on today's episode, so we're going to kind of cover some of the news, of course, as, as always is done on the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. Uh, Dakota is making her grand appearance on the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, drinking water. Um, if you're a longtime listener of Locked on Sharks, you know, uh, well, at some point I have to get uh, Dakota and Mushu together. That would be fun. But so we're going to cover Shoot some off. of the news, some of the news today. Uh, Sharks did some contracts. We got some spicy rumor season because that's this time of year. And then uh, we're going to get into the draft with a friend of the show. Chris Peters comes on, talks about uh, the 2022 draft, along with uh, some of these Sharks prospects and how they've kind of fared after their seasons have wrapped up. So Shang. Let's start with the tidy bit of business with Bear Banoff getting a uh, surprising, I thought, uh, two by two and a half million dollar contract, especially when during the season you reported that his team, you know, his his people wanted to get that Robbie Fabry, you know, you know, four, you know, uh, three or four years, three or four million dollars type of deal. And the Sharks, I think, kind of cleaned up here, right? Well, uh, if I may add, though, if you were a recent reader of San Jose Hockey Now, you can see that I revised those numbers mm. because the more I dug into it, the more I learned. If you look at the last thing I wrote about uh, Barrett Bonoff and his contract, that uh, the numbers that I started to be given were if it was two years, it would be roughly two to three million dollars. 
if it was three years, then we're talking maybe, you know, three, three and a half, and then four years, a little bit more, you know, basically the more years you get, uh, the more of his free, free agency years you tie up, then of course you pay more. That's natural yeah. for any, any contract. And so, uh, so I actually wasn't surprised at this kind of a low, lowish figure or what I guess, uh, is seen as a lowish figure because that's what it was kind of coming to. And I think the main reason for that was just Bear Bonf just doesn't have the games. Uh, yeah. under 100 NHL games. Even the Fabry example that I kind of, yeah, I, that I was kind of hearing early on, but Fabry had a lot of, granted, you know, Fabry had a knee injury. People didn't know what he was, kind of. And it wasn't until he got to Detroit where he kind of uh, rebuilt his value. But he was also a former first-round pick that played a lot of games in NHL before before his injury. And so he was, to some degree, a known quantity. Uh, Bear Bonoff, KHL veteran, uh, didn't have that sort of, didn't even have that, you know, in his early twenties, that kind of proof that he could play in the league. And so I think that's why his contract ended up uh, so, uh, you know, so relatively uh, low. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for the Sharks, this is a really good business for a guy who's proven to be a, your top line guy. I mean, I don't think on a, a contending team, he's probably a top line guy, but you know, he can figure into your, your top six at least, especially as more talent starts to seep into the shark system here. And then in two years, you can either resign him if, if he's continuing to do well, or you can trade him. I know he's got like a 10 team, no trade clause, but you know, it kind of gives you options of what to do with him. And you're not stuck into like a, a poor Kevin LeBanc, but a, a Kevin LeBanc type deal where it's like, Oh God, we've, give him all this money and all this time. And then he is not producing it at what we, we expected him to do. Yeah, no, it's a good uh, sort of a, a dip in the water, just like his one year contract was. Of yeah. course, though, if he does uh, outperform this contract, like he performed his last one, uh, outperformed his last one, then uh, he's going to get uh, expensive. And then you're going to be hoping that or wishing that you had given him Kevin LeBanc money. <laughs> but at that point, too, then he's going to be crossing the 30 year old sure. uh line and you've you're hoping that by then your robins your co's your you know wise Watts are able to start to take a bigger step or your Eklund's and bordelos that these guys have established themselves and that you can kind of move on with your homegrown talent so yeah no that's a fair point he's a, probably a bridge guy right he's not yep. a guy that is sort of the destination for the sharks Nope. Yeah, he he's can hold down the fort right now while your 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 younger guys are developing. So uh, another one, Jacob Magna, uh, a little bit older defenseman. He got mm -hmm. a uh, two year, basically a vet min contract here to. Play Actually, the it's exactly a vet min contract because contract. I looked it up to make sure. Uh, I mean, his there, contract little... is seven fifty, and then seven seventy five. Uh, uh, two years from now yeah. and that's because the the vet min uh, is going to be 750 this coming year but it's going to rise to 775 so they, so they can't they can't pay him any less <laughs> yes. we tried to pay you less but we couldn't uh, so yeah he's you know i mean there's people who like i'm kind of mad on jacob magna he's fine he's a perfect you're you're, you're you're magna Wait, uh, nah, nah. he's a perfectly serviceable you know, defenseman who can, you know, eat up some minutes here and there, but like, you know, it's, I think also rewarding your guys who've gone through your system and, and you, you've developed him and stuff. So, but like, he's not, if one of your, your other younger guys starts to pop, he's not going to be holding, you know, keep 
beating them from playing. And if you need to bury him in the AHL, I don't think you're going to worry about somebody picking him off. No, so. you don't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and also too, like you can bury the complete cap hit too. It's, it's so low. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, no, I, I I like the signing. I mean, there's really nothing to complain about. I mean, he's a guy that ideally, I think on a good team, he I think he has actually uh, established himself in my eyes as a guy that I would expect to be a full-time NHLer. But mm-hmm. on a good team, he would be on your bottom pairing. He doesn't, he shouldn't be on your top pairing, which obviously where he ended up at some points uh, last year. But that wasn't <laughs> yes, his fault. That wasn't his yeah. fault, though. He did, yeah. he did okay with it. And so he's a guy that... I think can uh, be good on your bottom pairing, can move up every once in a while and, you know, not hurt you too much. You can win some games with him, which the Sharks did. And uh, yeah, great in the locker room and all that stuff and a better player than I think people give him credit for just in terms of just his defending and and whatnot. And I think the big thing for him too is just that this contract is, it's a one-way contract. And so if they send him down, they had to pay him the full amount. That's the big deal there, a big deal there. And that's the big reward for a guy that, has taken a long time to kind of get to this point. He's not even at a hundred game NHL games yet. And he's 29 years old. Yeah. And again, he's, he's perfectly serviceable. Good for him. Get your money, uh, get rewarded for for your development. And so, and yeah, and if you got to bury him or if he's your seventh D or something like that, that's fine. He can, so he seems like a, a good enough guy who can, you know, he's going to do whatever the coaches ask, et cetera, et cetera, type of thing. So, um, some very spicy news though is it, it seems that there's whispers that the sharks are open to trading burns and or eric carlson um they've had conversations apparently about it um i would assume brent burns would probably be the one that actually would be more likely to go between the two because this mm-hmm. contract is just easier to move he actually i think has more perceived value in the nhl than sure. eric carlson um, well, he's, you know, he can stay healthier too. He can also actually stay healthy and play yeah. all his games. Um, you know, I mean, Brett Burns is coming off literally the, the 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 season where he played the most amount of minutes in his entire career. Um, he produced pretty well. You know, this, this season as well. I think he was fourth on the team in points. Um, but I mean, I, I you would think that if the Sharks wanted to really open up some cap space, moving eight million dollars out would be a, a, a a nice way to do it. And Brent Burns does have perceived value. So if the Sharks wanted to do it, I know he has a three team trade list and stuff, but it seems like that, that door that's been shut for a long time has started to crack open with Burns and he might be open to playing somewhere else in San Jose. Is it possible or, and what are the Sharks looking at getting a return? I think it's very possible. And actually there were already whispers uh, last summer, according to the athletic that Burns could be open to it. And uh, you know what, the story to me is not surprising at all. To me, it's like, well, what what took so long in so far as and I actually think that in a lot of ways, these guys have both been kind of available just if a team wanted to take a crack at them. Because look, mm-hmm. uh Carlson's contract has been a millstone on over, you know, an anchor on the sharks for, for years already, right? And look, yeah. he was great to start the season, but he has not lived up to it. No one, even his most ardent of fans, couldn't argue that he's lived up to his contract. And so Pay him more. <laughs> <laughs> if it helps him grow, grow more hair because that hair is still. Oh, that hair is yeah, so the beautiful. Well, he has to pay, how do you think it gets? He has to pay that for that product, the hair. right? That product. The product. Yeah. <laughs> it is shipped from Sweden every day. It's expensive. That's what it's all going towards. But yeah, uh, so I, I think it's always been like 
uh, with Carlson wouldn't surprise me. I don't know this for a fact, but look, if a team was interested in him last year, the Sharks would have traded him in, in a second if a team will take that contract, you know. And, yeah. you know, th- this year, you know, some talks, probably the talks came about because they people started seeing once again, hey, Eric Carlson, when he's engaged, when he's healthy-ish, he can still be a great player, right? And we did mm-hmm. see that uh, uh, at the beginning of the season. Um but of course, just that contract, you know, and so, uh, yeah, so so he, uh, moving him will, will just be less likely just because uh, for that reason, Mer- Burns will be more likely, even though Burns is older, because uh, like you mentioned, uh, Burns is durable and uh, Burns is cheaper and his contract doesn't last as long. And so those are all big, uh, big points on a, on, on a Burns uh, uh, kind of uh, factor or scale there. And just in terms of the likelihood, well, like I said, if Burns was interested last year, well, another year out of the playoffs, he's getting older. Well, why would he not, in theory, be interested uh, this time around? You know, depending on where he goes, of course, right? Yeah. And so, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think, uh, if he wants to go, if he wants to win, uh, and. It's not probably not. I mean, at least win a Stanley Cup. It's probably not going to be in San Jose. So why wouldn't you consider, you know, leaving? Right. And in terms of uh, what they can get, this is going to be a tricky part for him. Um, San Jose uh, wants, uh, according to Elliot Freeman, they want a good return for Brent Burns. But, you know, what is that good return? The Sharks want to supposedly they want to win now. Right. And so does it have to be something that can help them win now? Well, mm-hmm. who's giving you that for a 37-year-old defenseman who is, you know, uh, has three years left on his contract, $8 million, right? And so then, okay, Sam, then you think, okay, well, maybe San Jose's got to retain then. So be, so turning Brent Burns from a three-year, $24 million defenseman to a three-year, $18 million defenseman, right? You retain $2 million. That start, starts to sound more reasonable. Maybe you might get something that you like back. But I think if the Sharks are looking, I'm just guessing, if the Sharks are looking for a win-now kind of piece, like let's say, I'm just throwing this out there, right? Uh, like let's say when the Islanders are trading Devin Taves, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, would, would the Islanders have traded Devin Taves for a Brent Burns? No, why? You know, they're you know they were trying to dump salary, I believe, that sort of thing, right? You got to look at both sides and what, what both sides need. And also, too, if a side is trying to win, win now, are they going to trade a good player? Or, yeah. well, they're not going to trade, uh, you know, in that case, that's a different case because they traded taste for uh, for draft picks. Uh, but, you know, is a good team going to hurt themselves by trading one of the good players, good current players for another good, you know, they're not going to make a lateral move like that, you know, good mm-hmm. player uh, for Brent Burns. So what might make more sense in the end if a trade comes about, if Brent Burns really wants to leave, is you trade Brent Burns for draft picks. Uh, maybe you retain to get better draft picks. I'm not really sure how you go about that, right? Yeah. But then what you do, though, so it's not uh, – so you can still fulfill the goal of trying to win next year is trade Brett Burns for draft picks, and then you redistribute that cap space toward free agency. Yeah. Right? Makes sense. And, right, yeah. So then it becomes like, uh, well, you trade a Brent Burns uh, for a third-round pick. You know, that's the direct trade, right? But then you yeah. use that money to sign – you know, you know, uh, Barakovsky. Yeah. Right. And then, so then becomes Burns for Barakovsky in the third, kind of. So that yeah. makes a little more sense that way. Or if you, you flip the pick to somebody else who's maybe trying to dump a salary or something sure. like that type of thing. Another, I think with Burns too, is maybe one of those younger teams who are trying to kind of take that next step 
you know, where it's like maybe they're I'm trying to like off the top of my head, like a team who's kind of like happy to be there in the playoffs and they mm-hmm. want to kind of make that next step and they, they maybe their pipelines kind of full. How um, about LA? Uh, or Drew Daly famously said that hey, Brent Burns, he gets beat 20 times a game. <laughs> yeah. Um, or a team like the Rangers, who has an overflowing prospect pool, sure. but like you know, they you know they they get to the playoffs, and uh, I mean, as of right now, I think they're they they still have a game seven against Pittsburgh, but like they're not expected to do too much. But they they have a young core, and maybe he set helps that. Kind I think of they're piece. down three two, no? Uh, yeah, three two. I think I don't know, but yeah. Anyway, um, as we're recording this, it's yeah, who knows? But <laughs> time is a flat circle. But a team like that, where they, yeah. they have they're they're trying to add that that next piece to be able. Sure, to sure. I mean, I mean, both those teams mentioned, and especially a team like yeah. the Rangers, where they have Fox, who can be yep. your your one D, and then Brent Burns can slide into your second pair, and he's not having mm-hmm. to play a thousand minutes a night, and he can contribute that way, type of thing. So, I already yeah. made the deal. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean those, those teams would be teams like, of course, the other part of the equation, of course, is where does Brent want to go, right? Because he has that three team uh, trade. He, yeah, and- that's the thing. He controls wherever he wants to go. Right. If he's like, I and- don't want to go to to the Rangers, or I don't want to go to wherever. Not much you can do about it. So <laughs> I mean, I think it's really important too that at least the Sharks under Doug Wilson, they were the type of team generally that were they were going to respect a player like a Brent Burns, yeah. a long-term guy like that too. Where even if they had the power to, they weren't going to send Brent Burns to to well, somewhere that he wouldn't want to go. Uh, LA and and New York are the type of places that I think would still be appealing because those teams are up and coming. So that's got to be the right team, right? Because if you say, oh well, New Jersey is an up and coming team, well, you know, well, no I'm goalies. Not- <laughs> right. Well, yeah. why? Yeah. yeah. Why they may well be an up and coming team, but what would the appeal, you know, be there if you're Brent Burns and you know you, yeah. you've got three years left in your contract, you're gonna be 40 at the end of your contract. So, um, so so that's another big factor too that's going to uh, obviously uh, sh- uh, shape things. But um, but yeah, I I, I do think um, one of the things too that 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 you you think about when you hear this is that it that the fact that it's it's leaked out. Like I said, it it. it I think that basically every shark has been available over the last couple of years. I mean, if you look at it honestly, right? Like, yeah. um, uh, cap strapped, you know, bad uh, uh, results, right? Who really isn't available? <laughs> who should? Who is untouchable on this team, right? Maybe some of your prospects. Well, Eklund, yeah, yeah. right? Your Eklund, pick is untouchable. Yeah um maybe like some of the the youngish guys youngish well like a hurdle is maybe not untouchable but tough to get right because yeah like hurdle to, you would yeah. if if they had not resigned him you could have literally asked for the world and right. gotten it back at, at the right. trade deadline last season but or meyer you know. right but like, even meyer now. was rumored last season well because meyer was bad yeah <laughs> just so. like LeBanc, right like like if if, if someone had given the sharks a reasonable offer for meyer that you know wasn't uh, a buy low three quarters on a dollar offer, like buying, not just, uh, mm-hmm. not you know, buying like Timo's potential, right. Yeah. Uh, in, in a trade, the trucks probably would have really considered that too. And same goes with Burns and Carlson. And so I think the fact that it is slipped, you know, I put this now we're doing videos slipped out, <laughs> you know, is, is, is intentional too. That's my guess. I don't know that for a fact, but, uh, it is interesting too, when you, you know, and not to say that Doug Wilson wouldn't have said anything different, but, uh, Curtis Pachelka spoke with, uh, a, a Joe will a couple of days ago. And, uh, Joe said that, you know, there are kind of no limit, like, like nothing is really off limits to improve the team. Right. And you can construe that to, Oh, you know, William Eklund, everything, everything on the sharks. Right. But, you know, he's, he was asked 
about Burns and Carlson, right? And not to say that Doug Wilson wouldn't give that sort of uh, very uh, general answer. Oh, you know, anything to do to improve the team, I had to consider yeah. it, right? But it definitely wasn't a, a shutdown either of, of the idea. And so, um, so anyway, I, I think that the fact that it even is out there is very, very telling. And so I think that, again, a lot of it depends on what Brent Burns wants to do. So. That's fair. I mean, it's going to be interesting, especially with these players who have been stalwarts of your franchise. And, you know, at some point you got to look at if you're trying to win a cup, is Brent Burns winning you a cup in the next three years? Are you winning a cup with Brent Burns in the next three years? And Well, I don't know if that's the way to look at it, right? Because I think the Sharks <laughs> want to win, right? So I think the question more is like, whatever you're getting back, it may not be directly for Burns, like we said, right? Yeah. It's what you get and then you it gives you money. assets to do something else right. with it but yeah, and redistribute that. Yeah. Whatever you acquire is, does that, or whatever you acquire in the aggregate, does that make you a better team over the next yeah three years because that's what complicates things. If the Sharks were rebuilding, it would be pretty simple. Then you just trade yeah. burns for it for anything, you know, retain money, get a better pick. You know, it's easy. Et cetera, right? et cetera. Yeah. Yep. Um, other spicy defensive news. Uh, Redeem Shimmick uh, <laughs> doesn't seem like he's going to be a San Jose shark for much longer. Or at least it doesn't seem like he wants to come back and be a San Jose shark for much longer. Yeah. Uh, you had an article where, you know, it seemed like, uh, he felt like he was lied to by the Sharks. They were, you know, he was told that they're gonna, he's going to play, but then of course they played all the children. And when he does play, he's got to be a forward. So it seems like Redeem Shimmick uh, probably not back in Teal at, at this point. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like a guy. Definitely not a guy that wants to come back. And of course, uh, he's not a guy that's easy to get rid of because he no. is making two point two five million a year, but he's not playing at all. And you know, he's basically a bottom pairing or a scratch guy that's making that that money. Um, on the other hand, though, uh, he is a guy though that that he really wanted to get rid of the money. It's only two years. You know, maybe you attach a, a pick. I think a team would would take it on. Like a third roundish, you know, not a higher pick than you want to give up. But if you really want to clear that space, that's possible. Uh, you can also bury his contract, um, and you know that half of his contract would be buried in the minors. So then only a million cap hit left. I, I I know people have mentioned you can buy it out too, but I don't think that, I got to look at the numbers again. But I don't think the buyout's worth it for 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 him. No, because right? usually uh, here I'm pulling up the buyout right now. Like it's less than the bear, or it's more than the bury bury amount, right? Yeah. So he, if they were to buy him out this summer, uh, they would save 1.2 million this year. The next year they would save 900 uh, thousand, and then they would cost or uh, sorry, no scratch that. Uh, the cap hit next year would be 12. Uh, 1.2 million the cap hit a year after that would be 900,000 and then you'd have two years of a cap hit of 600,000 so it's like uh for shimmick for he's got two years left i'd rather just bury him in the ahl or yeah 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 because you bury him at 1.1 right so yeah yeah it's it's not worth it especially for to to stretch that out especially if you there might be other buyouts on the table for the Mm. sharks uh (laughs) potentially coming up that's for another day so yep R.A.P. Wookie Whisper number seven. Uh, as the Sharks continue to look for another one. Uh, oh, can another- I say though? I want to. I want to interject though. Uh, yeah. uh, one of uh, my uh, my readers, uh, Dick Whitman, uh, uh, had a pretty great comment though. Tis the season for uh, European players to spill tea and be honest to uh, to local love press. It. I love that. <laughs> love it. Yeah, we had Hurdle last year. Hurdle uh, Vlasic. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's gonna be great. Oh man. Oh. 
God, off season is the best season. Uh, what are this no, team? <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank God. Um, let's keep with defensemen really quick. Um, kind of tie it up so that way we've hit literally every defenseman. Uh, Mario Ferraro. So you know the Bear Banov and and uh, Magna got their contracts, and Ferraro is the next guy on the table. Mm-hmm. But I mean that that contract's gonna be interesting because. How much cap space might they have? Is it something they're going to have to wait for the Kane grievance to figure out? Or are they trying to, you know, figure out a, a fair contract for a guy who had a down season but has been playing out of position? I think he's blogging too many minutes and kind of, and you know, kind of playing too high up in the lineup. But um, me personally, that's what I think. But what's the latest on Ferraro's contract? Are we, I assume he's going to, are we, he's going to get a contract or is they going to try to play the RFA game with him? You think? Well, actually I would ask you, I was curious because, uh, uh, what do you think has dropped off in his game? Because I actually don't think I've seen that much of a drop off. It's just that he is, he, I do agree with you that he's put in a position again, not his fault where, mm. uh, he shouldn't be on a, on, on a team's top pairing necessarily. But, uh, but, I think he's still a good player. I see still a lot of good things that he did last year. Uh, it's just that, yeah, like, you know, maybe ideally he's he's a middle pairing. But what's what 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 has dropped off that you've seen? For me, it's I, I think it's he hasn't taken that offensive step that sure. I think we would we would have hoped. You know, um, so his right his his nineteen twenty season and sixty one games where he kind of you know broke out came out of nowhere he had eleven points and okay that that's great for a rookie you know and then the twenty twenty one season where he fifty six games he had mm-hmm. one goal sixteen assists and seventeen points but then last year you know in sixty three games he's got fourteen points and he's playing a lot more ice time and I just I don't think he drives mm-hmm. offense and as we're gonna talk with with Chris Peters here soon where he's gonna talk about where the NHL, you need these guys who are going to like. There's not going to be just shut down defensemen, you know, one day. But like, you need these guys who drive offense. And like, you look at your Colorados and your Tampa's and et cetera, et cetera. Like these high end, high caliber teams, and their defensemen are, you know, the best way to play defense is when you don't have to play defense. If you're playing offense, you know, the whole time. And I just, I, I worry that he's going to get too big of a contract where that he's not going to be able to fulfill that contract type of thing. So that's my, yeah, he just hasn't taken the offensive jumps with. So I think for, for me, I mean, I, I see a guy that, uh, that's can skate and make a good first pass. And yeah, like he doesn't drive offense for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think, I don't know if he, he ever really will. And I think that's, that's fine. Um, I do agree that that uh, we maybe haven't seen progression enough progression in his offensive game, but to me, that's not the same as a necessarily. I would say a step back because I guess what I see that he's been good at over the years, I think he's still good at, mm-hmm. and I think he is a good complement to Brett Burns. Just ideally, that you would want. What were the Sharks supposed to be when Doug Wilson, you know, uh, gave Lasica extension when when he gave when he gave Carlson extension? Right, I think the idea was that. You know, Vlasic and Carlson are younger than Burns. That Vlasic and Carlson could be your first pair. That yeah. Burns could be on your second pair. Some defenseman, Mara Ferraro, could be on your second pair. And it, if that had worked out like sort of what 
the expected, how, yeah. Then, yeah. then, then Farrell would look a lot better. Uh, yeah, and I think that's a lot better, right? Big so, problem is, yeah, yeah, he's he's put out of position, and you know he, he he's gonna try hard. He's gonna give it everything right. he can with his every shift. But like you know, if you look at evolving hockey's, you know, their RPM, you know, models and stuff like that, where he so last year in you know um, in uh, fifty six games he was. Uh, I was loading right now. He was 61st in defensive percentile. So, you know, he's a above average defender. And then this year that dropped, you know, kind of same, close to the same amount of ice time um, to the 31 percentile in defense. And I, I just, that, that worries me where he's not kind of taking that next step. And it's, it's, it's tough where he's being asked to do too much and that's not fair to him. Um, but you know, I, I'd worry, especially with the amount of minutes he's already logged and stuff. And you look at Vlasic and and he fell off a cliff. And I don't think Ferrara's going to fall off a cliff or anything like that. But, like, that's Mario Ferrara in the future of him just falling off a cliff because he's played a thousand minutes already and he's in his three seasons or whatever. So, or a bajillion minutes already in his three seasons. So, you know, again, I think I think if he's placed in a better, if he's a, your second line to, or second pair defenseman, I think he's in a much better situation. Uh, but again, the Sharks just don't have that top pair shutdown defenseman that, and he's been asked to do too too much. But anyway, onto his contract though. Yeah, when's that? Uh, when's he getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I I, uh, I think that is like you you brought it up that I think it'll be interesting to see the what happens with the Kane grievance. Um, because that's obviously going to be a huge difference. Uh, um, it's sort of a, at this point, it's a win or lose kind of thing. It's there's no real in between unless they settle. Mm-hmm. And so the Sharks, uh, if the, if their termination of Kane's contract is upheld, that means that they are free and clear completely of Evander Kane's contract. Um, which is, I think, after this year, three years and $21 million left. And if they lose, then they are on the books for all of it, except for whatever a team signs them for, new team signs them for. Signs them for. So, so Evander Kane, unlike you, is not double dipping. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so it's going to be a lot, though, whatever, you know, no matter what a team signs them for, because, yeah, Kane is, is uh, no matter what he's doing in Edmonton now, uh, what's the score but for that game, by the way? That game's going on. I think they won. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, yes. So as we're recording this, yes, they won. Okay. So yeah. So so uh, no matter what he does for Edmonton this this year, I don't think that he's going to you know make back that money in free agency uh, uh, um, this off season. Just too much water under the bridge. Not enough trust for a guy that. Mm-hmm. The team's going to give him 321. So the Sharks are going to owe him something. Have you seen the Oilers? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I So, uh, but, uh, so anyway, though, so uh, going back to Ferraro, though, I think the, I think that's going to be a big question. So um, what I've heard uh, at this point is that there hasn't been too much movement on it, but mm-hmm. nothing to worry about. That's normal for RFA for one thing. Uh, and second, too, I think that there is some question or some pause, maybe because of that, uh, because Shark need to figure out how much money they 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 can they can throw at uh, Mario Ferraro. They they like Mario Ferraro. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if if they do give a contract that uh, you or you know other people may not be uh, happy with, unlike say the Bear Bonoff one, right? Where I think yeah. everyone universally is pretty much well. That's a great. That's contract, a good yeah. deal, you know. Yeah. Even if you don't like the player that much, like. 
you know, it's not a contract that is really likely to hurt you too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for all may still come in, uh, uh, in something like that, because I know that he is beloved. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll have to see with the, with the, with the Kane grievance. So right now, again, uh, no, no movement uh, from what I understand there. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You don't know, if you don't know your budget, it's hard to budget money for it. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and the Sharks, it's not like they, they don't really have, I mean, other RFAs, they got to they gotta figure out, you know, they have John Leonard, Gadovich, uh, Shmoleski, Noah Gregor, Dolan, like uh, Malosh, and then Kapokakin. None of these guys are like breaking the bank like you can kind of figure out these other rfas i think yeah, yeah. um for ours for is the big one where you gotta i think you know he, he's your first of the pecking order there and then everybody else can kind of fall in line there right? so um, another and- conversation point though to sorry to interrupt though no. uh, we'll do this in the future though uh because this is gonna be a long one uh, you mentioned the evolving hockey numbers i'm fairly certain that i don't know a lot of people use them and mm-hmm. you know there's a you know people who are deciding contracts and whatnot whether they should or not that's i guess another question to debate uh, i'm going to check around on that and i i, I love their work uh, i i subscribe so i'm not trying yeah. to to denigrate uh but i think that um some of the public or this is not exactly public because their stuff is behind a paywall and it is worth a subscription i i, yeah. I do i do i do love their stuff but um yeah, I mean it's not the it's not the gospel end all be all, and you know especially it's with used defensive a little numbers. too often as such. Too, in my opinion, I'm gonna just throw out my opinion. So yeah, yeah, and it's again it's not the gospel end all be all with it, but it, I think it's it's a good reference point to. But you know it's it's a little bit tougher with defensive minutes and et cetera, et cetera. But. I don't think yeah, analytics have yeah learned to capture the, the you know defensemen or the defensive defensemen yet, but that's I know that's another conversation. So uh, we talked about. A little bit about the, the the GM, I guess, with, with the coach. So, anything, any juicy and uh, news, Mister Insider Shang, on the next uh, Sharks GM, and why is it Kevin Weeks? <laughs> is he well, just going to pop up now? I'm, I'm waiting for him to pop up now. <laughs> this is Kevin Weeks. I'm announcing I am the new Sharks general manager. That'd be awesome. Platform. You came right in the third window, right, right there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with uh, with the pyramids in the background or something, yes. right? <laughs> I did try to do my best Kevin Weeks this week uh, when I was at Disney. Uh, I Lego saw that. Yes, I, was, I tried to do my best. So <laughs> that should have been uh, where you, where you announced uh, your your guest uh, your guest, yeah, guest uh, tenure yes. at our guest residency at San Jose Hockey Now podcast. So. Yes, next time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, but um, so G- uh, GM search. So <clears throat> so I've heard a lot of different names. Um, I can't. I can't say, you know, I had to be it's very me. careful with, <laughs> with, with, with what I say. Uh, one name I believe I can say that I've heard, but I am not sure that this person has interviewed. Uh, but uh, I've heard it, though, and, you know, from, you know, mm-hmm. someone, someone in, in the know uh, is Gillis. Um, but again, I don't know for certain, uh, if he's been interviewed and I think that the sharks, uh, I, I get the impression that they've done a pretty good job of keeping it somewhat under wraps. And so far as we don't actually know anybody who's actually been interviewed. Right. But Jonathan Becker told, told, uh, told us a couple of days ago. Um, and I have a story on that in San Jose hockey now, it's just sort of what's going on with the GM search that he said that there is no front runner and we have had preliminary conversations with 10 to 12 people. Um, 
at this point, at least, uh, and and I could be wrong, you know, by the time this 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 uh, podcast, you know, hits uh, tomorrow, uh, there are no names of actually who they've actually interviewed, right? At, at this point, that anyone has had, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we know people that uh, people believe are candidates, right? Like Kevin Weeks, which I reported, uh, and I stand by that. Uh, John Ferguson Jr., which uh, Jeff Merrick uh, reported, mm-hmm. um, you know. Some of the usual suspect names, right? Like Gillis is one of them. I've heard, but again, I don't know this for a fact. So again, you know, so so I, uh, you know, it's it's something that uh, we will learn more about. Um, Jonathan Becker did say some interesting things though uh, when we talked uh, with him a couple of days ago about it, uh, saying that he thought that there'd be four to five very serious candidates by the end of this month. But he also mentioned that the playoffs are a factor too. So some teams have requested that they're they're. Uh, possible candidates not be interviewed until after the playoffs. So one, one example of that possibly is Chris McFarlane with the Colorado Avalanche. Don't know that again, I don't know that he has been yeah. interviewed that sharks want to interview him that they have asked the Avalanche for permission. Don't know that for a fact, but he is one of those usual suspects, one of those guys on the cusp, right? That a lot of people are, are, uh, are talking about for potential uh, GM jobs. Uh, obviously Tampa Bay too, right. Could be a possibility there too. Um, but uh, yeah. So, so, so even we get to the end of this month and there's four to five candidates, it doesn't mean that we're, very very close to, to a hire because still They're might be waiting for right yeah. a couple other guys right yeah so um so yeah so it just sounds like it's going to be a, a long haul search yeah i mean and again they haven't had to do this for a while so i think taking your time you have a a, a core infrastructure in right now so it's not like you're you're scrambling to try to find you know everyone got cleaned out and stuff like that so i think yeah take your time it's the most important off season the sharks have had in a very very long time so yeah, they have we'll a lot be. of confidence in the Doug Wilson Jr., Tim Burke, Joe Will to no. lead into the draft, right? So yeah. Yeah, it's clear that they do have a lot of confidence in those guys. Yep. Um, other big news this week: Patrick Marlowe officially, officially hung them up. I Mar- Patrick Marlowe was my first favorite Sharks player. I told the story a bunch of times on Locked On Sharks. Uh, my best friend and I uh, we went to a Sharks game. Uh, back in the day when you would uh, order a jersey, you would go um, like to the Sharks uh, Pro Shop, you would order your jersey, and then they would bring it to you in a second period and like hand you your jersey. And so I had a, I have a Blacks, uh, the Black Armor Marlowe jersey, and my best friend's got the Black Armor Thornton jersey. And that was, you know, Patrick Marlowe was my, my first Sharks love. Um, you know, I was a little bit, I didn't get into the Sharks until like 2005, but you know, watching him be in a, uh, such an important part of the Sharks has, was, you know, it, it sucks watching him at the end of this the year as Shang leaves me right now. Uh, at the end of his career, you know, kind of being charted out there as a, you know, second line center and, you know, definitely didn't have his fastball anymore. But like um, having, you know, just him being Mr. Shark and, and that that's the thing, like he is, Mr. Shark, he's going to get his jersey uh, retired finally this year and, you know, this this upcoming season. And, you know, for me, that that was I, – I know he was – There's you can argue his Hall of Fame case, and Kyle and I did, a, did this on the Lockdown Sharks podcast uh, this week. But, like, um, you know, it was it – was, it was, it'll be interesting to see his Hall of Fame case if, if 
he's he's a compiler definitely a, a compiler wasn't you know there's maybe one or two seasons where he was the best player on the sharks but like you you know there's plenty of of hall of fame guys who were compilers and, and you know weren't always the best players on their on their uh on their team and I, I I think he will will eventually get into the Hall of Fame, maybe in a weak class type of thing. Um, but like he's, you know, I think I think he's one of the most important sharks for the the franchise. Helped to legitimize the franchise, especially with him and Owen Nolan, and then Joe Thornton helped to make them a, a Stanley Cup contender in his time. So. You know, it, it was it's nice to see him retiring as a shark. And, you know, we, we got him at, during, you know, when he broke the all time game record, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, it, it'll be great to actually see a retired jersey hanging up in the Raptors in the SAP Center. So finally overdue. Now, if we can get Joe Thornton and Owen Nolan numbers up there as well, because uh, Owen Nolan <laughs> number 11 should not be worn either, but um, any good, what's your favorite Patrick Marlowe story, Shang? Uh, well, uh, I'm sorry. I, I just, uh, your computer bit the dust. My... <laughs> <laughs> so I actually am on a different angle now. I, now we're yeah. using my, my laptop speaker. So let me uh, turn on, uh, this is a, uh, uh yeah, there you go. Uh, looking there straight on again. So, I, uh, yeah, the, the 10 pounds I gained looking up are, are, are gone, I <laughs> think. Gone. Uh, <laughs> so what, what's your favorite? You you covered Patrick Marlowe. Um, you, you you got to talk to him, you know, multiple times and stuff. And what is your favorite Patrick Marlowe story? Because I, I just talked about how much I love Patrick Marlowe and how important he was to the Sharks. But what was your favorite Patrick Marlowe story? Well, none, because I grew up a Kings fan. Uh, nah, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, no, uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I actually thought it remarkable uh, when Patrick broke uh, the record last year, the uh, Gordy Howe's all-time games played record. Uh, he broke the record in in Vegas, mm-hmm. and he spent uh, uh, you know end of the game, you know uh, all the Vegas Golden Knights go out to congratulate him. And he spent an extra, you know, couple of moments uh, with Mark Andre Fleury, and I, I wrote about this. Uh, and Fleury said that, you know, asked kind of what they talked about, right? And Fleury basically said, "Well, he just congratulated me on my career," and that sounds like Patrick Marlowe to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he just broke uh, one of the the most hollowed records in hockey, one of the most sort of unbreakable records, right? Gordy Howell's all. I mean, Gordy Howell played into his fifties to come. Played that record. Granted, Gordy Howe played in the NHL where they're shorter seasons and and, and whatnot. Yeah. But who knows? You know, if Gordy Howe played more, he might have got hurt more. Who knows, right? But anyway, I mean, but uh, then Marlow lost two plus seasons to lockout a COVID yep. season. Excellent point yeah. there too. Right, yeah, right, so right. It's, it's it's yeah. So whatever you think about the record, like oh, you know, like it's it's not that remarkable in some ways it's not a goals record it's you know he just stepped on the ice and he just broke the record wow you know whoop de do you know it is really a remarkable record in terms of durability just not something that uh, people can hockey players normally do right it's just yeah. physical fast game people get hurt anyway so for uh marlo to take that moment uh on really his night and mm-hmm. you know to congratulate uh, Mark Andre Fleury on his career, it it just that's just 
that's Patrick Marlowe for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice to see him uh finally get the Sharks number up there. I'm excited for him to get his his jersey retired and hope like I said. Thornton... I, yeah, I agree. It's uh, no question. I know that there's some debate about that. No question about that. Um no question about the Hall of Fame in my opinion, but that's a, yeah. you know, whole nother discussion. And then let's get Owen Nolan numbers out there too while we're at it. So, oh, that's a little, little, little being a little aggressive. I, we might have to argue that point wow. a little bit. <laughs> Kyle, I might have to tag team Kyle in for that one. <laughs> All right. A uh, couple last little things. So, you have uh, Andre Kuzmetko, uh, a 26 year old winger for uh, Scott St. Petersburg, uh, looking for a job in the NHL potential sharks have 53 points in 45 games uh yeah sharks i mean he can score scoring. sharks need scoring yeah um, what i was so. told uh <laughs> yes you can't win every game two to one uh sorry anyway. <laughs> well you can but you have to have you better goaltending and a better defense so. <laughs> please put some respect on james reimers you gotta have that better something died. somewhere <laughs> yeah james reimer died for us since oh, this season <laughs> he did he did so um, yeah what are the, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so this is interesting to me. Um, I've heard uh, both sides of it, sort of. I've heard that there could be some interest, and then I got some pushback on it, and strong enough pushback where I, I'm i not going to write about it because I, I don't know how real it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that Kuzmenko is coming. I know that there's interest from you know multiple angel clubs. Uh, I think the Canucks I've read are, are in it. Um, and why not, right? If you look at his numbers, right? I don't know much yeah. about the, the player's game, but 53 points, 45 games, top KHL team, uh, 26, uh, you know, sort of in, in his prime. A uh, couple interesting notes about him too. Uh, he was actually Barry Bonas' teammate in Ska a couple of years ago. Um, so I, I'm not going to say either way. I would try to think that nah, it's not going to happen, that, that that the Sharks are not in it. But I did hear, uh, again, that of the possibility, and it is an area of need for the Sharks, so not something to, to ignore. But I would say not likely. But what I did hear, though, that I found interesting about it, though, you know, you talk about the GM search and there's no hurry. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that this means that there should be a hurry about it, but... Uh, one thing I was told that I do totally buy that for someone like a Kuzmenko or somebody like him uh, coming over uh, who is coveted, you know, can kind of have a little bit more choice of where to go and that sort of thing, right? That a factor is to know who your GM and coach is or are. Yeah. And the reason being, it would be, you know, be pretty obvious. So once I say it is because you, you don't want to go somewhere where the GM is going to bury you or the coach is going to bury you. If you're a guy like a Kuzmenko who is you know not going to have that many kicks at the can in the NHL and you want to make a good first impression, especially if you're him. And so you want to go somewhere where you kind of know or like there's a track record there. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually in San Jose's case uh, with uh, Bob Bugner, and I'm not saying there's a reason to keep Bugner, but, you know, uh, with Bob Bugner and, uh, and uh, Bear Bonoff, uh, Bob Bugner definitely gave Bear Bonoff a lot of run to establish himself in the NHL. Um, Hopefully, uh, uh, Alex buys uh, uh, Bob a uh, six pack <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as a thanks, <laughs> along with Thomas Turtle and uh, Vander Kane and Timo Meyer, I guess. <laughs> wow, <Yes. laughs> wow, he's at it. So, <laughs> but anyway, though, uh, so 
so yeah, so so track record there is helpful, and obviously the GM too. You want a GM that wants you, right? And so I'm just saying hypothetically because again, I don't think the Sharks will be in on Kuzmenko, uh, but uh, if it's a Joe Will that signs you, but then let's say Kevin Weeks takes over, right? Yeah. And Kevin Weeks does doesn't doesn't like your game. Then well, what the hell? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's gonna be a year wasted. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Or the same same thing with a coach, right? Where like, well, you're hoping it's a bugner because you talk with the Barabanov, and maybe Barabanov has good things to say about Bob. And anyway, uh, mm. the track record there is that Barabanov got a fair shot under under Bob, right? And so you're you're hoping, uh, but then it's you know. You know, you 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 think that 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 you're gonna meet Bob Bugner at training camp, and oh no, it's Mike Babcock. You know, <laughs> Ugh, <laughs> just for example, right? <laughs> uh, so so yeah, so so that that is kind of an interesting factor uh, in, in that. I'm not saying that 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 that's why the Sharks wouldn't be in contention for a Kuzma or any other kind of free agent. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also the cases too where the the player or the agent might wait. Yep. You know, they might wait for for not just the Sharks, but for GM uh, situations and coaching situations to clear up uh, around the league. So then they, ha- they can be uh, make a more informed decision because if you, you know, kind of uh, jump at the first o- her first offer now uh, in the middle of May, but in a couple of months, there's a somewhere else, some other situation, right? There might be yep. a coach that you would have rather have played for or a uh, reverse somebody that you totally want to stay away from if you're a kuzmenko or any kind of european free agent and so i thought that was very interesting actually uh, a kind of a detail just to keep in mind for these kind of things that just not even again relevant to the sharks and the hurry or non-hurry with with hiring a coach or, or hiring a gm and potentially hiring a new coach but just in general just how important it is for these free agents uh you know who they're kind of well will be kind of dictating their future from at, at those uh position management positions yeah it makes sense like you said i mean he's got one maybe two shots in the nhl mm-hmm. so if you screw up your first shot because you go to the wrong team yeah Makes sense. So, but sometimes you get lucky though, and you get traded to to uh, a terrible uh, team. Nine game sample size. (laughs) Let's go, Fairbanks. Well, no, but or you get traded to uh, to uh, San Jose for Auntie Suomela. So, (laughs) yes, there you go. You get nine game sample size. Yeah. All right. Last thing on the docket, of course, uh, the Sharks picking eleventh in the NHL draft because the draft lottery is super boring now. And no teams get to move up unless you're the Devils. Uh, I don't so. like this. I, I I watched it this year. Just yeah, right. I don't know. What do you, what do you it think could have been it? done in an email. Yeah. <laughs> Very. It could have been done. Right. In an email yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the, you know, in the COVID era, all this stuff is done this way. Yeah. Just do it that way. Right. At yeah. least like the NBA one, there's like a bunch of crazy movements, and mm-hmm. like it's impossible to track like who can do what because you can go on top four. And it's just like. You can go. It, it's it's boring, and I get it. Like you're trying to keep. I don't know. Just more chaos is fun. So yeah, chaos uh, is fun. I, I chaos is more fun. So anyway, we want to save the uh the the luck for next season with next year's the 2023 draft class, which is gonna be stupid, insane at the top of the draft class. So which is the perfect segue into our interview with Chris Peters, where we talk about the 2022 uh, draft. We talk about uh, some of the sharks prospects and why he personally hates Brad Lambert. <laughs> Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. The sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. You can still hit the ice for cold hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Just bet $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Age 21, restrictions apply. All right, we bring in Chris Peters, world traveler from, uh, you guys know from the Daily Faceoff, also has the Talking Hockey Sense podcast and his own Hockey Sense uh, uh, newsletter. As well. Newsletter, thank you. Yep, so, subscribe. Subscribe, please do. Yes. Um, Chris, now that you can actually travel the world again, Go smell the urinals in person as you're at you know the rinks <laughs> again. Uh, what's it like actually being able? You you just came back from Germany. What's it like actually going to see uh, small children play hockey again? Oh boy, um, <laughs> that doesn't sound creepy at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> no, it's it's great. I mean, you know, I I've been lucky enough. You know, last year I was at the World Under 18s in texas and this year it happened to be in germany and that was awesome um you know to to be able to be there uh it's one of my favorite tournaments to cover i think this is my eighth under 18s i covered you know i was there twice with usa hockey as an employee there and then you know later i went with them as like their broadcaster um so and, and then you know the last three i've covered kind of independently um and yeah i mean it's it's a it's a it's a, always great to be at that but you know to be able to be at another part of the world and and to see kind of some of the hockey culture in germany um you know it's 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 uh it's certainly you know similar similar to the united states where it's not the biggest sport but the people that are passionate about it are super passionate about it and they had great crowds and you know really good good showings and the the tournament was in two historic hockey cities for for germany Landshut and uh, kaufbaron um you know so it was uh it was really cool to to be to be there for that and then also just to see a lot of the great players. I think there's a lot that we don't know about this class still. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be able to see them at this stage of the season was, you know, very helpful for my, my purposes for sure. Well, yeah, let's see, skip the urinal talk. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. So we, <laughs> so bring up the 2022 draft class, you know, this is, we know Shane Wright is presumably the number one, but then it's kind of seems like throw everybody else in the hat between picks, you know, two through 12 and kind of shake it out. So how would you describe this 2022 draft class if people are just starting to kind of check in onto the draft class right now? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's fairly average. It's weak at the top and Mm -hmm. probably similar to most drafts in the middle or that next tier. Um, You know, I, I think that there's, there's similar to last season. There's just not a huge consensus in terms of, you know, who the next best guys are now I'll even say we can say that Shane Wright is very you know he's he's on most number one boards yeah presumed number one yeah yeah yeah, not unanimous um (laughs) which I find fascinating and I've been having a lot of conversation I just want to just use that as a jumping off point just I've been having a lot of conversations lately with people about Shane Wright and they're like you know if 
if he had this performance, which is actually the lowest points per game in the OHL um, since Rick Nash uh, in terms of what number one picks, um, and that was a harder error to score in the OHL, um, you know, if, if not for the exceptional status, you know, how do we view him? Um, the other thing is that not a lot of guys have jumped up and said, hey, I'm the number one guy this year. Mm-hmm. And that includes Shane Wright. You know, he played really well down the stretch the second half. He really improved. Um, But there's still a lot of questions about overall upside. And so with that, when you don't have a very strong number one, it kind of impacts your opinion of the entire draft. Often we look at the draft and we view it solely at at what the the top players mean. I think if you're in the the latter stages of the first, you know, the top 10, you still got a chance to get a really good pick. Um, You know, I think it, you know, precipitously drops you know, probably not until 20, you know, so hmm. 2025, you know, so like that's, that's where, you know, you start saying, Oh man, uh, you know, for me, I think that's really where there's a, there you start seeing drop-offs, but going to the world under 18s app allowed me to see some of the Europeans that I'd only seen on video um, and came away, you know, more impressed getting a chance to see them against their peers. And, you know, there were a lot of guys that helped their cases. There are certainly some that didn't, but, you know, we got to see kind of that next tier of prospect as well. And the, I think if you're picking late in the first round, you feel like you got some real good opportunities to to get get a really good player there. Actually, I was going to ask uh, Chris if you uh, ran into any of these players at any beer gardens. Can you share uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, you know that insider info there? No, I didn't. I you, <laughs> not that I not that I'm aware of. I did. Somebody told me that uh, after the Canada got bounced, there were a couple of guys with their parents. So. <laughs> I knew it. I knew yes. it. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, stock rising in my D and D and no D and D. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was. No, I, that's I, stock rise. Stock can, rise. Yeah, I can <laughs> confirm that there were a lot of NHL scouts at those local beer gardens and brow houses, though. I I definitely saw them there. They were um, looking. You got to yeah, yeah, turn every I, stone. So yeah, exactly. You got to know. You got to know. Want to so, see what yeah. the leaders are. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So who coming out of, of the, the world under 18s, who kind of in your eyes, who do you think you, their stock kind of rose the most? And who do you think kind of hurt their stock coming out of that? Um, yeah, I would say that, you know, the guys that really pushed their stock up were the Swedish players, Jonathan Lakiramaki, um, uh, Noah Oslin, Liam Ogren. They all played really, really well. Um, you know, I think Ogren and Oslin had more to prove. Um mm-hmm. And they really showed up in a big way in this tournament um, and, and helped Sweden win gold. I think you could say the same for Matthias Havilid, their, their top defenseman. He's a five foot ten defenseman. I think a lot of people had him slotted in second round, maybe even third round. You know, now with, with the performance like he had, one of the best all-time performances in that tournament for a defenseman in terms of points um, and points per game. That's a guy where you say, hey, maybe maybe we need to go back and do some extra work and, and make sure that we didn't discount him for his size too early because he made a lot of mature reads, a lot of great plays, really mobile, great footwork, um, just heady defensemen. And, and, you know, I thought he defended well. And, you know, I, you take him off that roster and they have a real – I think they have a real hard time getting pucks up ice. He was the best defenseman by far there. Um, another guy who really – you know, he's the MVP of the tournament and he popped incredibly with some of his power play uh, goals was Yuri Kulich, who has, you know, good size. You know, he can he can play down the middle. He can play wing for you. He can do a lot of different things and, and, and does them well. Um, and I think for for me to see a guy that scored nine goals in the tournament um, and basically put that check team on his back at times, 
that says a lot. And I know there were scouts that had him trending up already and they were hoping, Hey, maybe he'll slip to the second round. I don't think that's going to happen anymore just because teams, you know, big performances at the under 18s can matter a lot. It's usually mm-hmm. one of the last viewings that you have, but it's also an opportunity to see these guys against their peer group. And Coolidge looked like he was ahead of a lot of his peers in, in that, in that regard. But, you know, those guys definitely, definitely helped in terms of guys that hurt, their stock, you know, there were also some guys in the Swedish team that didn't take that next step. Philip Bystet uh, is a guy that, or Bystet, that that um, he's got great size. He's a good skater. He has all the physical tools. I just didn't see him make as, as sizable enough contribution that Swedish team in their second tier players. Um, I think, uh, you know, to a certain extent, like Joachim Kamel was really good. He got sick. Uh, he, he scored some huge goals, but there were a couple instances where he didn't play all that particularly well, um, you know, and and he, he missed the game due to illness. So I wouldn't really, you know, I, I think the player's sensational. I wouldn't say that he dropped too far or anything like that. Um, you know, one of the guys that was really rising before they got to, um, to Germany uh, was David Goyette, who played for Canada and kept finding his ice time go down. You know, like he started basically as a top line player. And by the end of it, he was kind of towards the fourth line. And this is a guy that had, you know, 33 goals, 73 points in the OHL this year. And, you know, he had three points in the tournament and just was a non-factor and just he didn't have it at this tournament. And it gave me some concerns because some of the things that I was worried about with him um, terms of his general skating and you know some of the th- like his skating is good mm-hmm. but it's like is it so good that it can overcome some of these other uh things like you know does he have that shift to shift competitiveness does he have you know, that ability to uh you know to be more than a skill guy um and and i worry that you know a, a performance like that is can resonate so uh he was really trending up but unfortunately for him you know not a not a strong performance there um in in germany but that the same can be said for a lot of that canadian team outside of uh of Connor bedard so uh but yeah but th- those are some of the guys that just definitely jumped out to me as as guys that i didn't you know didn't come away blown away by how much can like with these big tournaments where it feels like you don't want to take too much stock out of it because it's such a small sample size compared to like watching, you know, like their regular season and stuff like that. But at the same time, you're usually playing against better competition. So how do scouts try to balance like what happens at a big tournament versus comparing, you know, going back to just watching the tape of a guy, you know, kind of their day to day. Yeah. They can say it doesn't matter, but it usually does. And the biggest reason why is because most, most assistant general managers and general managers are going to be at that tournament. Mm-hmm. So they're going to see it. And those are the ones where that ultimately make the decision. I mean, there have definitely been times where scouts and, and, and guys, you know, might be the only time they see them. And all of a sudden the, you know, the GM comes away in love with that player. And the smart ones are the ones that allow their scouts to say, Hey, like that's not what we saw this year. Um, and the ones that think they are smarter than their scouts are going to say, well, we're taking them anyway. Um, you know, so that's, <laughs> That's kind of and and that that does happen and has yeah. happened many times. Over and that, the that's not how, that's every sport ever. That's, There's yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So like Jerry so Jones, that, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So that's kind of amazing to me as well. But yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see with uh, um, you know how how this shakes out. But I I do think that you know you take the full 
body of work, but you also understand this should be a time when these, you know, these are pressure situations, seeing how these players react, seeing the fact that you you can compare and contrast players right there on the same ice surface. You've been watching them on video mm -hmm. all year. You know, you've been watching Logan Cooley against the USHL, and then you're watching Jonathan LeCaramacchi against the, <coughs> the SHL in Sweden. And then you're like, oh, well, now I can see them both on the same ice sheet. Um, you know, so that, that helps as well. And I think that's really instructive to, to the viewer and to the scout that, you know, Hey, this is, we, this is something we have to take it uh, into consideration and, and still contextualize every piece of his season, including that one tournament. So let's get into kind of where the sharks are. The sharks are uh, going to be 11th in the draft, um, in your latest mock draft on, uh, the daily faceoff, you have them picking, uh, defenseman. Pavel, uh, I'm going to screw up his name, Minchikov. Sounds pretty, yeah, that sounds good <laughs> enough. But yeah, I, uh, I've been saying Mintukov, so I could be wrong. Yours sounds more Russian. <laughs> I've been working on my Russian all offseason, thanks to Garabanov. Yeah. But uh, so give us the the kind of the lowdown on, on this defenseman, the Sharks. After Merkley, there's really not like a, a – top high-end blue chip defenseman in the shark system so i don't know if merkley is that either i just want to and at this point well. we don't even know if merkley <laughs> is not yeah is, is yeah. that yeah. you know so give us yeah, give I, us I a little bit of that on draft day sorry go yeah. ahead sorry yeah mm. i'm still holding there's still hope i'm still holding out but anyway give us a little bit <laughs> on, on pavel um yeah so the reason i put him there was mainly because you know i think that a lot of the best forwards were taken then you also you know i i certainly consider putting lakaramaki there um because i think he'll probably end up going higher than i had him in the mock which is at 14 but um but just for the reason you stated i think there's a need there i also mm -hmm. think that he's in that range very reasonable in terms of you know best player available um you've got you know eric carlson on the downside of his career you've got a lot of rumors obviously about the Brent Burns situation, you know, could either of them be traded? Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to say, well, what does our blue line look like long-term? If you're looking at the system right now, not great. Um, and so please put some respect on Terry. Yeah. Name. So <laughs> it was, it was it, before, before this podcast, I saw that so, like Shang Shang had retweeted my, my mock draft and thanks for doing that. But I saw a Sharks fan angrily say they don't want more offensive defensemen. Here's the thing. <laughs> Offensive defense at some awesome. point, at some point, at <laughs> some point in the not so distant future, there is not going to be such a thing as a shutdown defenseman. It is not going to exist. If you nope. can't skate and you can't move the puck, you can't play in the NHL. Nope. Um, and and Mintukov can do all of those things, and he can score, and he can get the thing that I love that he does the most is something that I saw very early last season with Luke Hughes. Mm -hmm. And that is an ability to, you know, walk the blue line especially well and get pucks closer to that. So walk it down a little bit closer than that. Taking shots from the high slot, taking shots from the top of the faceoff circles as far as opposed from distance. And he has the skill to get inside and still not get beat. Now, defensively, there's work to be done. No question about it. But I don't think that he's a guy that, that I say can't defend. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think there's obviously he played on a, on a pretty tough team this year, you know, like with. Saginaw did not have a very good season, um, but he had a very good season. And so, you know, that's a guy that, that I think, you know, will still need to play some more junior hockey. You need to let him get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. He did come over from Russia. You know, the other thing I want to get into is the Russian factor. Yeah. And the Russians that came over to North America 
before everything happened with Ukraine, by and large, will still find that their draft stock is untouched by that. The guys that are still in Russia will definitely have issues with that um, because there's a lot of questions about what you can do about visas and all these other things. But Mintukov came last year before the pandemic shut down the OHL season, and then he didn't play. So Hmm. the previous season is nothing for him. Um, And now he's, you know, he, he, it didn't matter. He still was a top tier guy. And, you know, I talked to enough people around, you know, scouting that feel, you know, this guy has a chance to be special. Like he, he, right now he looks really good, but he has a chance to be, you know, a top four guy that, you know, you can play on the power play that you can use in a lot of different situations. Um, and, And so, you know, I think the fact that, this is a guy that's been in North America. He's committed to staying in North America. Um, you know, you've got yourself a, a real good player there. And, you know, 17 goals, 45 assists this year. Not bad. Uh, looking over your uh, mock draft, um, obviously guys like Wright, Cooley, they're not going to be available to the Sharks. And so I'm just wondering uh, on, on your list, where is sort of that cutoff of, uh, of uh, what number, uh, what pick number in your mock draft could potentially fall to a number 11? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, I, I'd say it starts right even at five. Like, Cutter Goche has been one of the biggest risers of the draft class this season, but there's no guarantee that he goes in the top five. I did put him there because you know, he's a he's a wing. He does have some center capabilities. He's a power guy. He's big. He's fast. He's got some skating. You know, he, he's he's got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of tools, the, the kind of tools that you're looking for in a in a modern-day winger. Um, and he's he's a legit goal scorer, but I would say that, you know, that that's a guy that you could potentially see slip. You know, there are other guys that I have lower in the draft that probably won't slip as far as I had him, like Joachim Kamel at number seven, as who I had there. Danila Yurov, another Russian, where you say he is one of the Russians that's overseas and still has a year left on his contract, but that could be the value play because mm-hmm. if he does fall to eleven. And, and all of a sudden you're saying, okay, well, we have a chance to have a guy that was, you know, probably a top 10 pick if this didn't happen. Um, you know, then that's a guy that's worth grabbing. Um, but there's just no consensus. You don't know how it's going to go there. You don't know when the run on defenseman is going to start. I mean, we think that Nemec, uh, Simon Nemec and, and David Juracek are going to go in the top six or seven. But what if they don't, you know, and all yeah. of a sudden you have one of those two guys there. It's, it's all on the table. Um, you know, Frank Nazar, another guy, undersized center with great skill. It's like, all right, well, we have Thomas Bortolo already. Do we want that? You know, I think Nazar has a little bit more pop, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in his offensive game right now and and certainly in his skating. And so, you know, there's that. And then even the other defenseman, if it's not Pavel Mintukov, is it Kevin Korchinski who had a huge season in the WHL? So those are, you look at that list and you say any of those guys from five on down and even the guys after, you know, the, you look at the few that I had after them, Matthew Savoy, I had, you know, slipping. Cause I think, you know, I just heard enough buzz that his, his, you know, he's kind of slipped a bit, but there's got other guys like like um, you know, Isaac Howard who had a big world under 18s, you know, there's a lot, lot there, but um, you know, I think in the end, I just tried not to overthink it and say, you know, I think this is a guy that that fits the style that they want to play long term um, in Mintukov. And he probably is, you know, he plays the game the way you want an NHL defenseman to play right now. 
Well, I'm really excited about uh, uh, Gauthier. I hope the Sharks uh, have a shot at him. Actually, here's a random uh, Gauthier stat. Uh, his dad is uh, Sean Gauthier. Uh, used to be uh, actually played in NHL and that played in NHL for the Sharks. And if you look, he played three minutes in a game in 1999. <laughs> he stopped it. two of two shots. And so actually, if you look at Hockey Reference, uh, he is has the best save percentage of any Sharks goalie ever. I'm not joking. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's if you're going to play in the league, just, you know, if you're going to have a cup of coffee, just stop every shot. And you should exactly. Yeah. Is. Um, I want to ask more about the kind of the USNDTP guys between Nazar and, and, uh, and uh, Shang's guy, Cutter uh, Gauthier here. So, you know, I've kind of seen them, you know, and you look at a lot of mock drafts, they kind of flip-flop between the two. Kind of get, can you give me the pros and cons of each guy and which guy you, you I see you, I mean, you have uh, Nazar after, but which guy do you prefer of the two? Uh, Nazar. Yeah. Um, I do. Um, and the reason being is I think that his hockey sense is at a level that's, you know, extremely high, um, a little bit higher than Goche's. I think Goche's has the physical tools advantage. Um, but I think Nazar can play the style that gets you goals in the NHL. He's probably averages a breakaway a game because he's yet he's just so sneaky, gets behind defenses, anticipates plays incredibly well, has the good physical tools. You know, the shot is outstanding. Um, his ability to get inside in between the faceoff dots, that's huge. Um, the shiftiness, the vision, you know, he's a great shot pass threat. I view Goche more as a a uh uh you know, a shoot first kind of guy. Um, mm -hmm. He'll, you know, he'll pepper the net with, with shots and he has a great shot. So we should use it a lot. Um, I do think there are quite a few NHL teams that would tell you that Goche is higher on their list than Nazar's. Uh, Nazar is in. And so I think that's probably the other thing that, you know, the con for Frank is that he's smaller and that's really it, you know, and if that's the only thing, that's usually not a good enough complaint to, to completely shy yeah. away from a guy um because he is tenacious he does get in on pucks he's he's not afraid um so he does all those things well it's just a matter of well you've got goche who's so much bigger and stronger and still has all these offensive tools you know he tracks pucks real well he back checks well he he's committed in all zones he, he's physical um you know that gives you a little bit more versatility um in a player and so you know i think both of them are exceptional um, but I still think uh, Nazar's package of, um, you know, his hockey sets and his skill lead me to believe that he's got a chance to be, you know, a real good player and, and not really have the size be a factor. Yeah, I mean, you you see, with, especially the way the Sharks are drafting recently with, you know, Bortolo and Eklund, where they're kind of, it feels like they're really focusing on this hockey sense and intelligence and if i think if he's there for the sharks at 11 they're going to have a really tough decision depending you know based on their draft history and you know whoever else could be on the board but it feels like yeah. he might be a natural fit for what the sharks have, have been drafting recently correct yeah i would say so i mean like yeah i think stylistically absolutely mm -hmm. a fit you know they've had success with guys from the program as well and and um you know, we'll continue to go to that well when when it when it works, and as it did with, you know, Bordalo, and I, you know, I think he'll be a could be an everyday player, real soon. So, um, yeah. So I, I would say, that, I mean, sorry, I don't have like a, a super no, <laughs> eloquent. I was just like, no, that that sounds right. 
yeah. <laughs> You're correct. Yeah. I could just, just do this. Yeah. Yes. yeah. We're on video, Chris. Yeah. You just had to do this. Yeah. 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 Just, there we go. Um, have you accounted for these sins just making a dumb pick like they always do to really mess things up? So it's very possible. I mean, like, <laughs> and I wouldn't say like the thing is, is that. Oh, you can. It's fine. You can. No, I'll give credit to I'll give credit to Ottawa for basically, especially in the last draft. They're like, well, we're going to we have a type that we want to draft. And that was big. Or physical. Yeah. And. It was, it was, uh, you know, time will tell. It's still too early to say, oh, they are, they, they busted out. Uh, it's not looking great right now. You're, you're in the bag for Ottawa. Big Ottawa is coming after Chris right here. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I've, 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 I, I try to be nice to the Sen Sickos. They have it bad enough. Oh, they are. Ottawa has money for somebody? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. on the, the few people. But the, 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 the Sen Sickos guys are, are, can be very relentless. So, uh, one other guy I wanted to ask you, or a couple other guys. So, uh, Lekermaki, who's been kind of flying up the boards, and you talked about him and, you know, he, the Sharks really, other than Daniel Gushin, they don't really have a guy who's like certified sniper material. And Lekamaki seems like one of those certified sniper guys. Can you kind of explain kind of what makes him so kind of unique? Snipery. And, snipery. Yes. Yeah. He's very snipey. Um, so Lakira is such an interesting player. Um, I think there might be a few teams that have him ahead of Kamel in terms <laughs> of elite goal scorers in this draft. Um, and, or Kamel, like, I, I don't think Kamel is like an actual Finnish <laughs> pronunciation of it, but I, I can't, you know, when I, when I learn about these guys, it's typically just by their name and then I read it and it's like, it stays that way for the yeah. for forever. Like, uh, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, just to strip that aside, <laughs> um, the thing about Lakira Mackey that's, I mean, he, first off, he has an elite shot. I mean, it mm-hmm. just is a tremendous shot. It's powerful. It's quick. It's accurate. It's, uh, can get it off from anywhere. He's not afraid to shoot it ever. Um, just can score from in tight. He gets inside very well. Um, really good from the outside. But, you know, I, I think that he has real good sense. He's got great net sense in terms of, you know, how to get pucks where they need to go. Um, some of the great goal scorers, like, you know, we'll talk about them when we talk about, 2023 but like Matthew Mitchkov is a genius level goal scorer not because of his shot is incredible it's because he just knows where to put the puck at all times um you know and I I wouldn't say that's true of Lakira Mackey but he did have seven goals in the SHL this year which really flew under the radar I feel like in terms of you know that that's a really impressive number for a young Mm -hmm. guy um you know and then he went and he led the under 18 worlds in scoring so it was like okay well he's done it now We, we we get it we get it. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, I, I think, I think he's got an opportunity to be, you know, a top 15 pick, a top 10 pick at, at, at best. Um, but he's got the skill, he's got some good quickness and, you know, in fact, he, he missed a month with illness this year. He missed the last month of the season comes into the under 18s. And it's like, he never left. So in fact, he looked better than he ever had for me personally. And this is a guy that also had a lot of goals at the Holinka Gretzky cup as well. Really quick on. So with the, all these Jugarda guys, is there a little bit of a worry since Jugarda got relegated to the hockey all Svenskin? Do you think with scouts is like, they're not going to be playing in the SHL next year. Is there like a slight pause when you kind of pick, you know, pick these guys because they're not going to be playing against top tier competition in the SHL next year. 
No, I don't think so. Cause I mean, I think, you know, if anything, the Alsvenskin being in the second division, it might mean he gets more ice time. It might he just gets he a gets, score. And, yeah, he yeah. gets a you know, and it's not like it's it's you know, I know Jonathan Dolan uh destroyed that league, mm-hmm. but uh it's it's a lot tougher for teenagers to play in. And if you give them that opportunity to play with that confidence and with a team that's trying to regain promotion, um yeah, that's uh I think I think it could work out really well for you in the end. Um, you'd rather have that than have him, you know, playing fourth line minutes or third line minutes in the SHL. And the Alsvenskian, there's a good chance he could be a top six guy every day. Perfect. Uh, last guy I got to ask you about: Why do you hate Brad Lambert? <laughs> Wasn't oh, hate him. Sharks, yeah, yeah. yeah Sharks I don't... fans, we've already started uh, on my other podcast. We've already started the like. Brad Lambert manifestation to the Sharks at 11. And I know his, his scoring... He might be there in the second round. Wait, the Sharks don't have a second round pick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So why... It's, it feels like Lambert has such a... It's almost like Atiratu last year where it was like you saw him projected as a top 10, top 15 pick and he didn't go until the mid to late second round, I believe. Yeah. It's like, like 56 or 60 or something like that. Yeah. Is third Brad round, Lambert... Actually. Oh, third round. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Is is Brad Lambert uh, Atiratu 2.0? Actually, I think you're right. Second round. Um, <laughs> uh, for Ratu, I would say mm, yeah, 52nd overall. I had to go look that up because I was like, wait a second, that's not right. I think I don't think Brad Lambert's gonna fall out of the first round because his his skating is such a way uh and skill are 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 so high end, but there are a lot of concerns about the player. Mm-hmm. Um you look at his season numbers this year. No, they're terrible. They're, they're down. They're <laughs> yeah. down. And he's on his third team in three years. Mm-hmm. So everybody's saying, what's this guy's deal? The combine, I don't know if there's going to be a more important interview subject at the combine than Brad Lambert, assuming he's there and he mm-hmm. should be. I think every single team is going to want to talk to him and every team is going to absolutely grill him. Ratu, the thing that makes Brad Lambert more frustrating than Atu Ratu last season was that Brad Lambert has better tools. Mm-hmm. Like his tools are simply better. Ratu's bigger and stronger and, and tougher. And Brad Lambert, there are concerns that he's too soft, that he doesn't play hard enough, that his shift-to-shift competitiveness is, is lacking, that you know there could be attitude issues. That's something that will be sorted out, you know, just in terms of, things he's frustrated coaches that he's played for there um and you know he went to lati to get a better opportunity and get more ice time and did nothing with it this year now he was too old for the under 18 world so it didn't give him an opportunity to prove himself again mm-hmm. um but this is a guy that we came into this season you know or at least last year felt hey he could be a top 10 pick or he could be a top three pick top yeah. three pick like he's he's gonna challenge Shane Wright, and he's not close. And I haven't done my final rankings yet. I can't tell you one way or the other yet because I'm still working through it. If he's gonna be in my top 32, um, that is that is <laughs> that is Man. that's where I'm at. And yeah. the issue is, you know, and you talk to scouts from Finland that watched him all year, and they'll tell you, you know, they're they're they'll all say the skill, the skating. Like his skating might be the best in the draft of anybody, mm. but when it comes to 
hockey sense, getting inside, creating offense. All we have as a piece of evidence that that's something that he can do on a consistent basis is two games at the World Juniors against weak competition. And sad to say, that's, you know, I just said consistency. Well, we saw it for two games, <laughs> you know. So the, the fact that, you know, like I, I think the player has a chance to be, you know, something really special, which is why I still think I could put him in my first round. But if you don't go into that situation with eyes completely wide open, mm-hmm. then he is a project and not a finished product. Then you, you know, you basically have to, um, you know, recalibrate your expectations because there is going to be things about him that are going to frustrate the heck out of coaches. And it makes me wonder if he ever, you know, puts it together in enough of a way. Like, I think he's a real opportunity to, to never play in the league. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, if he doesn't figure this stuff out. Um, and and to think that from a year ago, like I I think it's unlikely, you know, that he wouldn't play in the NHL. I think he'll find a way, but could he be an impact player? At this not if he continues on the current trend he's on. Hmm. Um, so that's why I would have him lower. Ah, oh, Chris, you're breaking my heart. The eye test. <laughs> he is he is he is an eye test dream. I'll tell you that yeah. until until you start really watching closely, and then it's Lamby. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I, so. this is a path I can't follow you down. Uh, all right, let's let's talk about some guys who uh, already are in the Sharks system. So uh, I'm going to start with a big one because there's a lot of people quietly freaking about out about William Eklund's kind of bad season with your gardens. How, how do you feel about him after this season with, with he played okay with the sharks and then had a down year with, with your gardens. Do you still think he can be this elite player that, that he was drafted to be? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Chris, you're no. back on, yeah. you're back so, in. We buddy. Love you. Yeah. So, <laughs> Just to, just to, you know, I, I don't want to just say that. Like, basically, I mean, it was a tough season for that yeah. whole team. And, you know, you, you lose Holtz and you're saying, oh, what do we, what are we going to do? You know, how to, you know, they, they didn't have really an adequate replacement there. And yeah, you would definitely want to see Eklund play better. Um, you definitely would want to see him have new numbers. Um, uh, you know, like, I think uh, I think with with him, it's just still a matter of um, you know progression. And I, I think for some guys, getting sent back is a blow. You know, a blow to the ego, a blow to your confidence, and all those different things. I don't necessarily know if that was the case here. It is. I can confirm um, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, like I'm sure that's I, I'm I'm yeah yeah. <laughs> so I I think. I think uh, I think for him, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to collect my thoughts because, That's like, right. he is one of my he was one of my favorite players in last year's draft. I had him ranked really high. I have a lot of respect for him as uh, um, as a player and and as a as a thinker of the game. You know, like mm-hmm. I just think that his hockey sense is incredible. The thing about like I look at so like Lucas Raymond. Barely, like I was saying all summer, I think he should go back to Sweden and actually be a top six player there. Mm-hmm. And he's a no, guess what? He's a top line player in the NHL. Playing with elite players 
and being around elite players makes some people better. I think yeah. that very well could be the case for William Eklund. Um, and I think that, you know, they'll keep him in North America this year, whether that's, you know, he should have a chance to make the team. He's going to have to earn it still. Yeah. But I have, I, I'm not going to write him off based off of this season by any means. Staple in the hurdles line and you'll be fine. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> that wouldn't hurt. It nope. wouldn't hurt. So, uh, any other sharks prospects kind of, uh, change your projection of them this season, you know, three guys in particular who had uh, very good seasons, Brandon Cole, Gannon LaRock, uh, Krona too. Uh, any of those guys this season kind of change your mind a little bit about them? Um, I mean, I, I, I've always liked Brandon Co. you know, mm-hmm. like I've, I've, I've thought that he could be a player. I don't know that I saw him scoring over a hundred points in the OHL this year. <laughs> um, you do have to, I, I mean, I will caution fans, you know, take that with a grain of salt. You know, those, those guys that are 19 and 20 years old, they should dominate the league. He's also physically bigger than everybody right. in the league. Yeah, he's, he's um, a man you know, he played in the there. AHL. He played yeah. in the AHL last season, so he's got pro experience. But I mean, what an absolute animal he was this year, and still is. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, seventeen points in seven playoff games as well. Yeah, yeah. It's I think just, he had four it, assists the other yeah, night. It's, yeah, he's it's like he's, some stupid. Number. He's absolutely yeah. He's absolutely incredible. Um, and you know you have that in a, in a in a large package. He still needs to to round out his game and improve other elements and even continue to get stronger and tack on more size um, than he already has. But that's a guy that that certainly um, has the capability to be you know way better than anybody really anticipated for him as a you know a fourth a fourth round pick. So um, really glad to see it. It's always like I've always thought that he had you know had the skill level to be better than just you know a just a big power forward and mm-hmm. and that so i i got lots of time for him and 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 continue to have a lot of time for him i mean see somebody that can maybe scratch a top six in the nhl if he reaches you know kind of hits all the marks no i don't think so i okay. mean i would say yeah just because a guy has the big production um mm-hmm. i don't think that that's necessarily going to be his future mm-hmm. i would say that he's probably more of a bottom six guy uh, you know, where he's scoring depth and, you know, a lot would have to go right. I think his skating would have to get, you know, tick up a notch um, in order to, for him to be considered to be, you know, a, a guy that you could pencil in that way. But certainly he's at least given reason to believe that he can be a bit more than what we all thought he, he basically was. How about another kind of WHL guy who kind of had a down year was the Sharks former first round pick Ozzy Weisblatt, who I know the Prince Albert Raiders were poo-poo platter bad this year. Um, should the Sharks fans be a little worried just because, again, the production just wasn't there with him this year? Um, like a mm. little bit worried or? I mean, I would have certainly liked to see him mm-hmm. take another step and, you know, be a leader on that team and, and, and maybe carry them a little bit more. But as you mentioned, you know, there's only so much you can do. Um, and for him, you know, yeah, it just, it wasn't a very high scoring team in general. Yeah. Um, and so the numbers kind of dictate that. And that's, that's a team that, you know, he's always played on really good Prince Albert teams. Wasn't the case this year. Um, you know, now it's just a chance to, you know, to get him into your system and, and, and work with him more closely. Um you know, I think that's probably going to be the best thing for him. So, you know, he was he was kind of, uh, uh, you know, 
someone may have called him a reach at 31 at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I personally had Bortolo ahead of him on my draft rankings that year. Um, so, you know, it's always funny how the expectations go for a first round pick versus a second round pick. And there were only a few spots between them. You know, there wasn't that many. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, I, I think, I think, I think Weisblatt has been on his, his main, like he's, he's, he's still on trend to, mm-hmm. to be, you know, a middle six energy skill forward. So. Um, I, I don't, I don't have much concern about that. Yeah. I think like you're know, you talking about with Eklund earlier, I think when he gets to the CUDA next year, they're going to have such a influx in talent. I think playing with actual real guys instead of just a bunch of, you know, I don't know who's on the Prince Albert. I can't name anybody else on the Prince Albert Raiders right now, but like, I think that might be the situation where he's like, Oh, he's playing with Robbins. He's playing with Co. He's playing with, you know, Ethan Cardwell and all these guys are going to be coming to the, the CUDA and this CUDA team is going to be, have a lot of talent added to it really quickly here so yeah it's, yeah it's it's gonna be a good team to watch next year for sure oh they were awful i was watching because uh you know we had bordelow at the end of the season and then gushin and Larock both played a couple you know a handful of games with the Bakuda, yeah. and it was it was like oh i actually get to watch some fun people instead of just all yeah. these random jabronis that yeah who cares? ended yeah. a season on a 15 game losing losing streak. streak yeah there you go <laughs> yeah so. i mean you know and and even if and and the results may not be there but if the prospects are there then you're like oh oh yeah that's oh, yeah. yeah i was like oh yeah, gushin look at everything that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's nice yeah yeah definitely well, go check that team out yeah uh, Chris, uh, last question for me. Uh, I wanted to just ask you about the uh, goaltending, and just if I don't know if you've seen these guys much. I know you've, you've seen Strauss Mann because I read your uh, Hockey Sense newsletter, of course, and you watch him during the Olympics. Nice plug, Shane. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. got it. Got it right in there. Again. Yeah, thumbs up there. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if you watched uh, Ben Gaudreau much either, but any thoughts on either of those guys and their kind of uh, uh, outlook? Yeah. So. Strauss man, very intriguing. You know, the undersized goalie, if you're not six foot two, can you even play in the NHL is like the, the, the adage. Um, I thought he was fine at the Olympics. He had a really strong year um, with Sheleftia. Um, and, and that was very encouraging. And, you know, there were a lot of teams that kicked the tires on him uh, mm-hmm. after his collegiate season, but they all wanted more information. He provided that information this season with his performance in both the Olympics and um, at, uh, at in Sweden. And so he's got a long road ahead um, because of the size factor. He's got a lot to prove. I think he'll be an outstanding goalie in the AHL next year. And, you know, mm-hmm. he might even be a guy that you send if, if you're, if you feel like you have a log jam that maybe you send him to the ECHL, but I think the way that things are set up, he'll be able to play you know, significantly enough next year for San Jose, uh, for the Barracuda. Yeah. Um, so that's quality. That's, that's, you know, you're, you're absolutely happy about that. Um, as for Ben Gaudreau, I didn't necessarily watch his games a lot this year. Um, cause he's not necessarily a guy that I was, you know, super enamored with. Like I, I certainly ranked him last year. I thought in a, in a week class, but not good numbers this year. Um, Sarnia was okay. Um, you know, and I, I think he I got think he, shelled a lot. He did. Yeah, yeah. he did. Like I mean, like that's, playoffs, uh, I think he faced like 210 shots. Yeah. And his counterpart faced Windsor, like 20 or something like that. Yeah. Was Windsor insane. was a machine. Windsor yeah. was an absolute machine at that stage. Mm-hmm. So unfortunate there, but 
you know, I think that he's always been a guy that you're just going to have to wait and, mm-hmm. and be patient about. You know, he won the world under 18s last year, but I didn't think that they won it because of him. You know, he did play well in that final, but that was about, you know, there wasn't necessarily a ton there. Um, and boy, if you're looking for goalies this year, uh, don't. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, no, no offense to all the goalies, but don't. Uh-uh. What's the no highest offense. round uh, or what or when will goalie goalie think the first? I think goalie? I think we'll see one in the third, third one or two in the third. Yeah. Um, outside shot at six. But I think, you know, some of those teams that have a billion draft picks could could take a goalie in the second but looking at you arizona yeah exactly <laughs> they, they, they have literally a billion um so yeah so i mean i i think yeah it's it's fine and then magnus krona obviously winning winning the world uh the national championship with denver didn't love his game this year i thought that he was the weak link on their team um because of the consistency issues that he had but he was awesome in the tournament he really mm-hmm. was um and a reason that they they won so was glad to see that for him and, and great progression from him. And now he's a, a championship goalie. So um, that, that makes you real happy about where you're at. Awesome. Chris, you've said it all. Where can the people find you and what do you got coming up next? Yeah. So dailyfaceoff.com for NHL draft content, for sure. A lot of uh, extra stuff on hockey sense on Substack. So it's hockey sense.substack.com. I've got um, massive notes coming out on, a lot of players from the under 18 worlds that you can get on, on, on hockey sense. So if you're like a super draft nerd and need to know everything um, on those types of players, that'll be a, a good piece for you to, to dive in on also seven day free trial. So if you ever want to check it out, you can do that. Uh, and uh, yeah, sorry, I can't offer a dollar a month every, you know, um yeah i mean what a yeah huge huge shot at the athletic mic on somebody there yeah um i just saw it today it's like oh yeah again you have another Um, one are you kidding yeah oh yeah so um but yeah, but that's and then obviously the Talking Hockey Sense podcast. I have a draft lottery. Well, now all of us are bought, right are now. owned by the New York Times. We all got pot. Yeah, we're, there there are too many of us, and and we'll keep putting them out there because people somehow keep finding them. So, uh, but that's the main stuff. Lots of draft content to come, and in, in the lead up to the draft for sure. Awesome, thank you, Chris. No, thank, thank you, you guys. Man. Always good to be with you. It's 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 my pleasure. Again, all right, Chris Peters. Hates Brad Lambert. But thank you to Chris Peters for jumping on. <laughs> but he loves Willie Mecklen. He does love Willie Mecklen, so that's okay in our book. So uh, thank you guys for listening to the inaugural first, whatever, uh, version the locked of... Locked on Hockey Now. The lock on San Jose hockey, now. hockey Locked On Now. <laughs> yeah, to this uh, <laughs> insanity that is the new podcast thing. So, uh, so you can follow the show on Twitter, um, at the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. Um, you can oh, also, that's not the Twitter. It's SGA Hockey Now podcast. <laughs> what is it now? It's a, I, let's see. It is a SJ Hockey Now pod. That is a SJ mouthful. Hockey. It uh, is. It is a mouthful uh, because the I just add. It's not that much of a mouthful. I just added pod to uh, San Jose Hockey Now, which is at SJ Hockey Now. Yes. And you can find me at Sheng underscore Pang. Find my work at San Jose Hockey Now or my work at MEC Sharks. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at my fry hole. And if you want to listen to me five days a week, you can do that at Lockdown Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, friends. <laughs> <laughs>